0: We doing this really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Pow! What the fuck? And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck?
1: With Mark Marin.
0: Alright, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck ears? What the fuck nicks? What the fuck are ricans What the fuck What the fuck a knots? Whatever you want to call yourselves, whatever the fuck you want to call yourselves. I am Mark Maron. This is WTF. I am sitting in a hotel room in San Francisco reflecting on last night's live WTF. What a great show we had. Great time. Thanks for coming out. If you did come out, thank you for bringing me healthy snacks. I just burped. Did I just burp on the mic? I did. I'm sorry. That's not professional. Thank you for bringing me some homemade pickle beets and some homemade okra. I believe his name was Dave. I appreciate that. I appreciate the nice mug. It was very nice to have healthy treats. And I actually just sitting here in my hotel room, avoiding the microphone, uh, ate some of those pickled beets and some of that pickled okra. So that happened just before I picked up the mic here. Thrilled. Thrilled. On the show today, Matt Graham, you know, I, I, this is an important show to me. I don't know how to explain this. Look, I'm 48 years old. That's a reality. I've lived this long. I'm not old. I'm not young. I'm in the middle. I'm starting to feel that. I've discussed that before. But all of a sudden, you know, you're dealing in your life when you get around my age where you haven't seen people for 30 years. You haven't seen people for 15 years. You wonder what the hell happened to people or where they've been or what they've been doing. That's one of the issues I have a lot on this podcast is sometimes I see guys who I hold to this standard that I or not that a standard but I knew them when they were a kid or I knew them when we were kids so I I just assume well that's that guy and you know that guy's in there that kid is in there that that person you knew is in there but who knows what kind of miles they've put on and and what's that what's that like I mean sometimes you see people and the only thing you can say is like oh my god look at you're still around I'm still around what the where the fuck have you been what have you been doing well, Matt Graham is, is definitely one of these people. He's a very um, brilliant guy, very funny guy, and very articulate dude. But look, we go way back. I mean, I started doing comedy back in 89, 90, and this dude was just so smart, so intense, you know, bordering on... He, 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 well, he was intimidating, but he was just a very dark, smart dude, and, and, and I always had a lot of respect for him. And I kind of lost touch with him. I would hear things... There was he was sort of a mythic character because he kind of got out of comedy and then he kind of, you know, he did. He was became a professional Scrabble player. And then I know he got sober and I knew all this stuff and we talked about it. Uh, You'll hear it in a minute. But I just was thrilled to be able to reconnect with him. And I don't know that I've had a conversation like this before. Back in the day when I hung around Matt, I was like, oh, man, what's going to happen? I had I didn't want to piss him off. I didn't want to you know rub him the wrong way. But you always liked being around him because he's so fucking smart and intense. But it was just one of those things where I was just so thrilled that he's alive and that he's doing all right. And uh, also, he's got this show. He does. He's not sure if he's going to do this. It's, it's sort of a tricky situation right now. His show, he's, he's getting back into comedy after a long reprieve. And you'll hear his story in just a minute. But his show, if it happens, is February 16th and 17th at 7.30 p.m. at the Kimball Studio, 78 Fifth Avenue on the 10th floor. He's most likely going to do it. You can go check out his Facebook page, Matt Graham, G-R-A-H-A-M. Uh, it's just a, a sad thing that's happened. He found out his, his cat that he's had for years, his uh, true friend, uh, his cat Ruth, is ill. So it's, it's really hinging on, on what's going on with that. And I, I don't I don't really know what else to say this is a pretty uh, it's a pretty long interview but uh it's just weird you know you know somebody for 20 years you, you I've known him on and off in his, in during his life and I'm, I'm excited that he's getting back into stand-up I'm, I'm excited to have had this conversation with him because he was one of those guys man you know you know those dudes from from back in your day or back in the day or whoever you know from your past where you like that dude was I, I I quote his jokes to this day. I mean that's going back over 20 years, you know he had that much of an impact on me, and his wife just took so many crazy turns, and uh, we're all a little crazy comics, but but Matts lived a pretty interesting one. So I hope you enjoy this conversation because I certainly did. It was very um, it was very exciting to me. so uh, let's go talk to Matt Graham now. So like if you can you know pull the mic up like you're doing stand up, and do it work better.
1: Oh god. How's that feel? <laughs> Paralyzing and awful. <laughs> <laughs> just just like stand up. <laughs> and you're talking like the first thing you do is bring up Princeton. Yeah, I remember getting fired from that.
0: <laughs> well, it was just it was one of those Well, the weird thing is about me and you is that like I you know I remember I have these certain succinct memories. Like when we started out when you when we were in Boston, I remember a lot of that. Like that was like nineteen, what eighty eight or eighty seven, probably.
1: Uh, yeah, I probably first knew you in early eighty seven, and you'd come from uh, Indiana, Indiana, right? Um, originally, but I'd been around Boston, you know, off and on, except when I didn't wasn't home with my tail between my legs. I've been around there for two or three years since like eighty four, I think, but early re- eighty five,
0: right? And I remember like uh, at that time because everybody like I you like I remember your jokes. Clearly, like you know, the when 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 I first met you, there was this um there was sort of this uh, a myth around you in a way. You were like um, uh, a wizard of some kind that had come from the Midwest, and you and there was this uh there was there an affiliation with Hicks at the time. I mean, did you know him? Did he have some part in like getting you going?
1: Uh No, I was friends with Bill, but I don't know how good of friends I was with Bill yet. I don't think that probably when I first met you, I worked with him a couple of times in both Indianapolis and Lexington. Yeah. I'd worked with him when I, like, the first two or three months of stand-up and saw him and, you know, he and Stephen Wright were the two biggest influences at, uh, on me as an adult in yeah. stand-up. Um, You know, like Woody Allen when I was a little kid, right. you know, and, and is what made me a comedy fan, but... Um, I wasn't friends with him yet, but I became friends with him. So there wasn't – no, he didn't spur me to do it. And I think the most I said when I was emceeing for him in Indianapolis in, like, 1985 was, you know, he funny stuff or something like that. Right, You know. Right, yeah. And I probably just went, ah, you know, because, <laughs> like, uh, you know, he, he, he had the impact on me, like, talking to a chick. You know, yeah. it made me that nervous, you know what I mean? So at that point, I yeah. mean, you know, uh, like, when I was – I mean, we're talking I was 18 or whatever. That was so. the other
0: thing. You were, like, a kid. Did you like run away I was from a home kid. or how'd that happen?
1: I didn't run away from home. You know, they, uh, uh <laughs> I, you know, I, I mean, I, I, ran away from pretty much everything in life. I ran away from school and whatever. And, and I started doing that and I got some positive feedback and made a little money and, uh, you know, met some, you know, I knew Steve Wright was from Boston and I liked that. And I knew of a couple other funny people and I met a couple guys and I wanted to get far away from Indiana, which is still a daily goal, day at a time. <laughs> and uh and I did, you know, so my <laughs> I remember my dad saying, We'd saved a little money for you for college and we wanted to give you that, you know, so that you could go and I like like at the time it seemed like a, a you know, uh, like, wow, this is great, you know, because I'll be able to buy a lot of beer with this or whatever. It was like $500. I want to say like, <laughs> or maybe it was 1100 I was like, this is what, what college were you thinking of? You know, the University of the Phoenix wouldn't, you know, have me for like, you know, three times this. So.
0: And you split with 1100 bucks, your college money.
1: Split with 1100 bucks in a roommate, sleeper on the train, you know, 18 years old, afraid of flying. That's why I was on, you still? know, drinking schnapps, still afraid of flying. I mean, I haven't done it in a while. I would do it, you know, if they said, uh, you know, hey, Lazarus, we want to raise your career from the dead. You know, I'd probably get on a plane for the right reason. But, you know, <laughs> that didn't really happen. And so why fly? I mean, I don't got to go anywhere I fly. I go. Do you still talk to your parents? Oh, sure, I talk to them, you yeah. know. My real problem with Indianapolis is not necessarily them, you know. but What uh, is it? Have you been there? <laughs> yeah, once or twice. You know, twice. I mean, it's just, yeah. look, It's a, I, it's a conservative Midwestern place, you know what I mean? And, you know, things are so weird. I mean, when I think of that like when i think of like my great aunt and uncle who who raised me when i was a little kid you know my parents handed me right off they both had to make money so old people took care of me and i remember them telling me about religion you know and and my aunt cora uh i've been east long enough that i now say aunt yeah my aunt cora said uh the Earth is going to perish in a fervent heat. You know that's what, <laughs> yeah. and that was my first take on religion. My parents weren't religious, right? Yeah, and like I'm not religious, but I'm a theist. I, yeah. I no question believe in God, which is funny because I think of. Indianapolis is a conservative place, but you know it's a secular place. It's like and, and, and people only care about money there, you yeah. know, and getting to the Colts game. And yeah. they're not. I'm the weird part is, you know, I'm like way more liberal than them, but I'm way more religious than them too, yeah. by by virtue of being even slightly so. Yeah, you know. And uh, but you know, it's just not. It's just was not the place for me. You know, I mean, uh nothing went for me there. My stand up, even though I'd go home, you know, and I they like after doing Conan's and they wouldn't put me on an open mic you know what I mean like right. i I think like I, I hooked up with like one girl there my whole life you know and it was like uh, you know sorted you know like I couldn't have no romance for me there uh you know it's just sorted. bad it was sorted like it was like it happened in a bike trail after a bar closed, the new bike trail they'd put in. Like, you know, and the funny part was, is I'm laying there, like, getting on with this girl, like, you know, in a public place at 5 a.m., I mean, right in the middle of the bike trail. And it's crossing my mind, because just, just two days earlier, my friend had said, yeah, they put in this great new bike trail, right? It's really terrific. You can use it for all kinds of things, you know. It's like a great, you know. And I'm like, like, yeah, this thing sure is great, man. You, you know, for everything. Can, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, back
0: in Boston, like, here's here's the evolution in my mind, the evolution, like, because we lived together briefly uh, at uh, at Bill Wilson's house. It was me and you and Dave Cross. I was on
1: the. couch. Not briefly. It was like two or three years. I would say that you, we lived together. Lived yeah. I was there three or four years. I'm We're, just assuming our crossover time. Yeah, is, I can't
0: remember the time, but I still quote a couple of moments that uh, when when Carl went into the hospital for his problems, uh, there was a moment uh, where I remember we, we still everybody used to sit around that crossword puzzle, the Sunday Times crossword puzzle, and pass it around. It seemed. Am I remembering that correctly?
1: But, you know, I mean, to ask me to remember shit, I mean, I always had, you know, like a 12-pack in me yeah, at a minimum. at right that time, yeah. <laughs> so,
0: like, I remember walking in and just asking, you know, like, is Carl ever going to get out of the hospital? And you looked up from the crossword puzzle uh, and said, uh, only if Chief
1: can lift the sink. <laughs> Oh, did I say that? <laughs> <Yeah. it> sound- <laughs> oh, the days when I was witty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like it stands out in my mind. There are jokes of yours that stand out in my mind. Thank uh, you. You had a, a way of delivering and a succinct sort of a, a dark sensibility that uh, I fucking uh, always loved. There was that time where we were up at night and we were uh, wasted and uh, and we were. Oh, hot. that time. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) But this particular time, you and I decided to snort Viverin, and and Bill Wilson walked in on this horrendous ritual of you and I with that
1: wasn't late at night. That I remember. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. Because that was following two days. We'd been to a Red Sox game, or you may not have been, but a bunch of us had been. Yeah. And I'd already been up for a day doing actual, you know, non-Viverin Coke. And, uh, you know, I remember uh, Frank Santorelli was around. I yeah. I don't want to place anybody or say they were I just uh, – but it was like midday of a following day, and we had turned to the Viver. It was on that nice – They had that. he had that nice kitchen table, table with the chrome. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. God, you know, stuff I would have pinched. I probably just died with that apartment, you know. <laughs> that, I went there. I cleaned out some, like, old shit, like, you know, maybe a couple old board games and all these film magazines of yours, you know. Yeah, I what happened last, to those? I don't know. I don't have them now. <laughs> you know, I took them to one place, but then they didn't make it to the next. Maybe, I, the, maybe the maybe the the game store in Calgary, Alberta. I don't know. You make, want to, who knows what shit they have. You make a on. trip out there because <laughs> I took those from my, my
0: my grandmother's neighbor was a film freak and there was all those great old like Cahiers Cinemas and all kinds of weird fucking magazines.
1: To show the actual difference between me and you, while like, you know, there's many differences, but just to point out one, yeah. I, I think it's a certain like, um um, Maturity, whatever. Uh, Why you're interviewing me, and I'm sitting here as a loser with like limping around with a bad ankle. Um, and you're accomplishing something is you had those you comment on the film there was all kinds of great film stuff I just took it because there were so many like naked women in them you know because it was European cinema yeah, yeah, and I yeah. was like you know well I mean I'm always afraid that I won't have something to jack off to you know what I mean so that I do kind of hoard I mean and there was probably so much free porn available to me you know so like and, and I'm a film buff yeah. you know what I mean you could see like yeah, I, but yeah. but but you know I took them you know you, you took them for at least a reason of like bordering on bettering yourself but i'm telling you you know you just, i just like this i am curious yellow feel yeah. that the, the whole thing had
0: <laughs> yeah so okay so then all right it, it's kind of uh exciting i'm glad you're uh you're you seem to be in a, in a good mood um because there was always intimidating you never knew what you're going to get with you sometimes you know there was moments like back then where you'd be like uh how's it going matt and you're like what well, is there a Why is there a problem? I, you
1: know, and then oh, okay, (laughs) it spiraled. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm kind of like, you know, a dour old man from the time I was 12 years old. I mean, that's just the fact (laughs) of the matter. You know, I date online because I'm a hermit. You know, and it's hard. Like, I I don't really want to tell people stuff that's not true. I have many really outstanding qualities. You know, but but you know, and and and. You know, I've retained a lot of youth, you know, in body and face, but I don't, never had it in my soul, and it's hard to really, you know, in terms of that young as you feel thing, I mean, I don't ever recall feeling young, you know what I mean? I was six years old, I would go hide in the closet with my reference books and Guinness Book of World Records, and my dad would come and try and force me to go play in the snow or something yeah. other kids did, and I just wanted to be in the closet with books. So, but yes, I mean, I thought you were saying, you know, like, uh... You were crabby, like you were more like, you might snap, but I was, uh, uh, I, I didn't snap as much unless I was drunk, but I was very neurotic. I was always yeah, worried. You got it, that, it yeah, you at a lot of angles. Well, I mean, you can see that it's still the case. I mean, my brain has not slowed down.
0: But also there was, like at that time when we were at Catch, there was, that, there was this whole, the community built was built around Catch, but the, 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 the bigger sense of the community was built around the idea that they would give us free drinks. And it, we could drink there all night long. People would come to that place after gigs to drink. And it was always very impressive, your commitment uh, to drinking at that time. I mean, there was a plan. I think it was probably as, well, it was a lot simpler than the vitamin regimen. But there were periods where you would say, like, you know, I'm not going to eat because that will interrupt the alcohol going through. Did I really
1: say that? Yeah. I mean, you you
0: actually planned around it that you would go out and throw up so you could come back. Oh, I didn't ever do that. You did once at catch. No, No,
1: I, I threw up a lot (laughs) 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 to try and to try it and paint it as this like quasi bulimic ethyl optimization plan. I don't know. Uh, I certainly, you know, I certainly threw up, and yes, I would be conscious. Look, I'm, I'm not going to go eat like cheese fries if I've only got like a half hour before last call. You know, yeah. I've got common sense. <laughs> you know. So but, what
0: what happened? Because you were so fucking, you know, you're such a brilliant, you know, genius comic, and then at some point you you had, you had had enough of it, or you decided because I know we all did Conan's. Uh, I don't know uh, whether or not you did any half-hour comedy specials, but everybody respected you. You were a fucking great joke writer. And then I, I, well,
1: I got to say, I hope some of this shit you're saying makes it into the interview. Because it's all going to make it in.
0: Uh, but I mean, I just like I remember there was a point where you hit a fucking wall. And I don't I don't know exactly what happened, because I think at the time that we did Princeton, you had gotten a job at Catch a Rising Star. I don't know how much stand up you or at uh, at, at Saturday SNL, Night Live. Yeah. And I don't know how much stand up you were doing. But there was definitely this feeling that you were fed up with something.
1: Well, I don't know. You know, he, I look. Back on it now and and two things are true i mean i see i think i'm okay about seeing both sides of the coin on things you know and if i look and i say well my stand-up had a lot of great stuff and i had a charismatic and funny personality but i never really fused what i did you know like uh um you know when i watch louis today let's say or whatever um which is about the only stand-up I've seen. I don't see much. I happen to watch a special. Is. I thought it was great. I've seen the show a couple times. But I saw you do stand-up a few years ago. We were, You know, five years ago. Um, you know, and those guys really found their true voice. And, and I don't think I ever really did that because of my uh, commitment to the joke-telling school or whatever. The fact that I sewed m- myself into that conceptual joke school. You know, based on Stephen Wright's influence. And I like that stuff. It's almost like math, in a way. In a way, and I love it. And I'm, you know, like, uh, I mean, the things I do are math. But anybody who knows me knows how hyperverbal and kinetic and wired I am. So I was always kind of at cross purposes with myself. Like, you know, a a good example would be all those times when the Letterman people saw me when I was young. That's before I even knew you. When you were Um, like 18. 19, uh, 19 20, yeah. and they saw me a ton of times in a two- or three-month period, 15, 20, and I bombed every time, but unlike some of the dry guys who, like, you know, I know Stevie Ray Fromstein did the show around that time, if you remember that, <laughs> I guy, remember that guy, you know, dry <laughs> if he didn't get a laugh you know because catch was a horrible new york catch was a horrible environment for that type of thing i mean you know that's the last thing they wanted to see by the time i was getting on stage but like i couldn't bomb and not comment on it you know if i bombed then i digressed and whatever so that's one thing i never really found my true voice and that was through and so that's the other thing i point to which are just laziness and alcoholism you know what i mean two things which are not going to if you're already lazy, and I was before I started drinking heavily every day, then, uh, you know, you're not going to have a work ethic and you still need, you know, I know some of these other people, I mean, that they had drive and they had a work ethic, you know, I think and, and your, your,
0: true, your true voice might have been that that moment of digression, you, you know, when you were when your anger was focused. I mean, it was it was fucking frightening your, your precision at, at gutting somebody. Almost instantaneously it was tremendous. So I, I can't even remember what got you fired that week that we were working together.
1: Oh no, that was off stage, and it, it was it was hardly inspired. It was. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we were we, at a bar. Where there were was Eddie F. Ift- Them with us that week. God, I don't know. Eddie okay. F. Ift- was emceeing like a right. guy that I uh, you know a guy I consider a friend, a guy I really like. Is a nice guy. Um, and, you know, and a rather docile, likable yeah, type like of like a entertainer. Puppy. Yeah. Yeah, and. Um, I don't know why it was that night. I just couldn't take it. You know what I mean? By that time, I was plenty used to the rejection. And that's another reason, like, you know, I I could do well sometimes, but I didn't, you know, I bombed one another. But I was tired of it. I was tired of, you know, and I'd moved to New York. And, and again, if I was doing what I was doing, I'm not sure if, if I was being funny the way I'm being funny now, would it do well in New York? It's still kind of too weird and wordy. And but, may, but do
0: you think that sometimes when you get on stage that your you're immediate... Uh, uh, ability to get defensive would diminish some of uh, what you're trying sure. to do?
1: <laughs> sure. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> forgetting, even if I take it real well, I'm not a real likable guy. You know, I was never, they told me that from the start. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I heard everything like, you know, you make audiences feel dumb you you're uh, you know people don't want to hear berry cats people don't want to hear some kid telling them the way the world is you know like
0: at that I'm, time what was your what was your your the joke you were most proud of
1: god i don't know you really? know look my stand up just went on youtube for the first time in 15 years, whatever, since I last did, I have an assistant helping me write this show, and she broke down all the sets and got them transferred to DVD, and she put one on YouTube, and she was going through comic strip sets, too, where I did, like, the chemotherapy joke and whatever. Right. I mean, I would say that's what I was known for. I, I don't There's know. I think, I think my favorite joke almost might have been, the, like, um, um, do you remember the joke about my dad playing favorites? Uh, in our family, we had a rule where the kids took turns doing dishes. Yeah, and whenever, whenever it was my little sister's turn to do the dishes, my father would break down and pay the check. <laughs> I think that was one of my favorite jokes, and the reason was because in an era where the like smart comics were making it big on. The Thesaurus, you know what I mean, like right, uh, right, the you know, sure. uh, you know uh, Garofalo, Dennis Miller, and you know, I mean, I think uh, not that they don't have funny stuff, but a lot of it is presented around. Wow, look at these string of words they're throwing together, right. you know. And personally, I think I throw that good a string of words together, you know, extemporaneously, yeah. you know. Uh, but what I liked about a joke like that is there's a lot of intelligence it takes a while to get, but anybody familiar with cliches of American society can put that, you're you're not required even a second grade education. right? Honestly, if I were to do stand-up, and as I said, I'm going to do a show, but it's not going to be stand-up. If any jokes are going to be in it, they're going to be jokes I never did, almost, pretty much, you know, that so what, suit.
0: What hit the wall at a... Uh... It seemed to happen kind of at once. You were at SNL, and then you know when I worked with you, you were you were at an SNL. You were pretty confident. You know you had you sort of arrived. You were excited, and then like weeks later, it was over.
1: Yeah. Then I got fired from Princeton. Then shortly after, fired from SNL. That's what happened. And then, why'd you get fired from SNL? I didn't get any jokes on. You know, I mean, it, it's I'm looking back. I'm, you know, whatever. I, there's again two ways to see everything, right? Um, It was not a fair situation. The person responsible for me being, you know, can't said, hey, I admit you didn't get a fair shot, whatever, but that's the way it was. On the other hand, I made a ton of money. I only had to show up for like four weeks, you know. I mean, the only, I guess, uh, deep and abiding curse is that I, like with me, if you want to know, and like for the record, the uh, biggest bummer at like, getting fired there and not getting hired is that uh i was very responsible i mean i showed up and i did my job and i got along with people great and you were sober you know, at that point no no i was not sober but i was responsible you yeah. know and uh, like because those were two factors like i mean and also it was always known i remember john groff telling me like yeah you know i really wasn't sure people would thought i'd come in and like you know somebody'd say something i'd say fuck you you know yeah. or whatever it wasn't well like that you know so like I got fired because I didn't get jokes on and uh, it was uh, necessary to turn somebody over at that point like because you know you get fired quick and you got a reputation like I do it's a bummer because then people probably say well I mean he did some maniacal thing or he didn't show up because he was hung over and did you know you it was, a, nothing was like that
0: right did you have any experience with Lauren?
1: I went in for the meeting to get the job and yeah. you know he was you know disingenuously very pleasant <laughs> <laughs> but what, what was he supposed to be? I mean, he's a big, you know, again, like, I mean, I'm just kind of like nervous. He asked me about Scrabble, blah, blah. So I don't know at what point I hit the wall. I mean, I think I partly hit the wall, honestly. I'm going to say I wasn't good enough. I appreciate you saying those things because when I honestly tell people, they have no idea how well I was regarded. It's so hard, you know, and I'm a guy who has to rest on my laurels to get laid. I mean, that's all I have, yeah. you know, ever since I quit drinking. My life had so much more glamour. Everything I accomplished was before I quit drinking, Um. you know, but I try not to BS people. But I was like I was disrespected, you know, I mean, I, I sat there with somebody who's now a movie star, you know, who I was probably more influential than anybody getting started in comedy and this is before they were starting with that janine oh yeah uh, saying uh you're the one person you know that everybody knows will make it out of this town you know yeah. what i mean um but i don't think i was good enough i think i could have been a lot better and i think there's a lot i had to do but um i wasn't good enough I lost my drive. I lost it for more than one. I was just, look, I was just drunk and tired and lazy and tired of not getting laughs. And tired. And also, a lot of things didn't go my, I mean, I I blame myself and I'm accountable, but I was not the luckiest guy either. I mean, I didn't get the right, like, the things I got turned down for. You know, I told you, how many times did Frank Gannon see me? He was Letterman at NBC. Oh, right, okay. Finally, kill in front of him. Robert Morton's there, and they just brought in the new person. Her name was Mary Connolly. I don't know, mm-hmm. I think. God, she used God, to throw yeah. the football with Letterman. Right, And so I like killed. I'm ready to walk up and figure, you know, well... uh this is awesome because I just killed and I did the cleverest material on the show by far. And you know, that's what they, and I shake her hand and you ever tell somebody to shake their hand that they just hate you. Yeah. Like, and I was like, Oh, you know, like, <laughs> well, I'm not going to be doing this show anytime soon while she's there. Well, what was the transition from when did you quit drinking and when did the vitamins start? The vitamins started well before I quit drinking, and while I still did comedy, the vitamins started as an outgrowth of Scrabble and learning about stuff that helped you be sharper mentally. And I play a little Scrabble. Scrabble st- st- start
0: because uh, that seemed to be that was the, like there was these big chunks of your life where that, where I miss is like you know okay you quit comedy and then now you're like what number two in the world or number one in the world?
1: Now I was never higher than a couple times I've been number two in North America on the computer. I finished second in the world championships. You know, I'm certainly, I mean, it's kind of like comedy. I'm regarded as really talented, but I've never won, you know. But, um, yes, that was part of what got me to quit, too. I mean, I found another passion, and, you know, and, and unlike comedy, you know, look, I was not accepted in Scrabble either, where it's an egghead world, and I had way too much personality for most of these guys. But the fact of the matter is, I can just settle the score in an objective manner by playing. You know, and that's not the case in comedy. You're always going to have to answer to somebody who's making a call on whether they think you're funny or not. You know what I mean? And uh, sometimes you'll be lucky. You'll get them around a crowd in the right situation or whatever. I mean, you know.
0: But like Scrabble, it's right there.
1: Yeah, with Scrabble, I mean, I can, I have an objective measure of deciding. You know, like, I mean, there's luck in Scrabble too, but, you know, I have a lot more control over it. I just stopped being interested in, like, you know, oh, So-and-so got Letterman or, you know, or like, uh, why didn't I get premium blend? You know what I mean? Or whatever. Right. (laughs) And so I started saying, you know, I'd had enough things not go my way that it forced me to develop some character on the issue. And when I really did, I stopped and thought, well, uh, always looking at what the guy next to me has or I don't have is not a really fun way to live. Well, you were you kind know?
0: of collapsed, not unlike me. I think that the bitterness probably was choking you, wasn't it? I mean, I, I know in my in my memory that there was, we know it's not a meritocracy, but f- certainly you judged, you know, who deserved what and, and that you realized at some point, like, this has got nothing to fucking do. With, with what I think talent is. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, there's some of that. I, I don't know if the bitterness choked me. I mean, I had plenty of it, but that wasn't... If anything choked me, it was the booze and it was the anger, which went even further back to like my childhood in Indiana. The bitterness about other comics was real, but it was only surface level. I don't think that's anything that ever consumed me. However, once I started to change, I didn't want it consuming me at all. It's funny. I'll be depressed because I suffer from depression. This is only... I I didn't have depression even when I was a drunk. Um... But in the past three years, whatever, I've gotten actual depression. So I'll be sitting there, and my thoughts, not be even because I'm forcing them, are completely great. Like, I love my cat. I'm so lucky to have this apartment, which is, you know, pretty decent. Like, you know, I turn, like, smoke and mirrors into a halfway decent life, you know? And I'll, I'll be just thinking thoughts of gratitude and just feeling absolutely miserable. You know? <laughs> like, the, the actual feeling is misery. Like, you know, we were coming to my, like, stop coming home yesterday on the Long Island Railroad, and I was like... I don't know if I'll be able to get up and get off and switch trains. I may end up going to New York City because I just don't fucking feel like getting up, you know? And I would have done that and I would have just probably felt better by the time I got to Manhattan and taken the train back out to Kew Gardens. But, you know, but my thoughts weren't bad. My thoughts were, wow, I was playing some speed scrabble today. Love that, you know? Only one experience in my life do I look back at and I can't, as a guy who believes in God, even really understand what he might be trying to communicate to me. With this one, you what know, but it? it wasn't horrible. It was just when I was a freshman, I worked really hard um, before I was a freshman because I wanted to be on the uh, Quiz Bowl team mm-hmm. there. and and uh, In uh, high school? In high school. And I'd done a fair amount of work in, in in prep in the summer. My cousin had been on the show. He gave me some books. And I got there and discovered that, two kids who were also going to be freshmen had been practicing with the team all summer through some connection that they had and that there was already this strong team in place and whatever. And I got in, I was a little spazzed out. I didn't think there was a chance of me. Maybe I could sneak into the fourth spot. Well, all I did was just review the materials that were turned over to me by the sponsor of the team. And I was doubling everybody's score pretty much like on most days, you know, two days out of three by the end of the practice cycle. And, uh, so, this woman who had married one of her students, you know for one thing um calls me over like right before they're you know naming the team on the show, and she's like, "I'm not gonna put you on you're too immature um She was also friends with like the other two freshmen with this right. was her like social outlet, yeah, you know, and uh um you know, I was mortified. I mean, at that point I probably thought I was going on air. I still had some doubt because I knew this woman didn't like me, but I didn't realize learned about people that if they have the luxury of doing so, they will actually sabotage themselves for the sake of their pride. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know (laughs) what I'm saying? Like if a guy's, uh, Company doesn't really need to make money. He's going to hire worse writers than you if you're threatening to him because you happen to be really bright, you know, or whatever. And if she can keep her click and whatever, she probably thought she'd win anyway. Right. So uh, the team went out. They lost. I started crying, I remember, when she told me this, which I thought was a perfectly natural reaction for somebody getting fucked with a hot poker. And she's like, and that's another thing. I can't stand men who cry. And I'm like, what? Now I'm a fucking man? You just said I was too immature. You're like confusing the hell out of me. And, you know, all it is is just some awful person who's batshit nuts, and you encounter those in your life, you know? But all the other times that I've encountered somebody doing something shitty, I could see some, you know, I didn't get a job at Conan, even though I got a ton of jokes on all three times I wrote there, but I would not have been able to quit drinking if I got that job, so I see the good result. I got cut from a, I tried to play college basketball when I was 39, I got cut, you know, and I... Probably should have made the team and whatever. Everybody- Let's talk about
0: that though, because that's the last time I saw you. I Ran into you on the street, and you're like, I, I, "I'm I'm 40 years old, and I got the body of a 20 year old." You're you're excited. You're like, it was almost as if you might have said that to a few strangers that had
1: walked by. <laughs> well, I and- probably did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you, you started talking to me like, you know, like I'm gonna enroll in classes because I'm gonna play college ball. And it was one of those moments where I'd seen you, uh, you know, on and off over the years, where I'm like. I don't know where he's. I don't know what he's doing. You know, it's like I just saw Matt Grammy's He's forty. He's going to play college basketball. But then you fucking did it.
1: Well, man, I didn't do it because I didn't quite make it. I mean, uh, I was. But what, the,
0: what was the process? You enrolled in classes. The process.
1: I enrolled in school out here in Jamaica because uh, this Queens. was a dream years? Or yeah, it just- was a dream. I love playing ball. And I, you know, I started really late. I mean, I didn't really touch a basketball till I was like 15 or 16, you know, and most guys playing organized ball have been playing since they were little kids, you know? Yeah. And then I played uh street ball for a lot of years. But, you know, I was very crafty. I got better and better and. You know, aside from the fact that I developed osteoarthritis by the time I was 22, every other aspect of me improved, like, physically, strength, and, you know, all my skills and whatever. And so I just thought I wanted to go and play the real thing somewhere. So, you know, like, I didn't have anything else to do. I wasn't doing comedy. I wasn't seeing that, you know. So I was like, let's chase this dream. So I started going and playing every day and fared well frequently. Again, I'd fare well by results, you know, <laughs> but then I would have somebody... Uh, you know, making a subjective determination. The head coach is a great guy. I really like him, and I really believe he wanted me on the team, and he told me that when he cut me, but that he had two assistant coaches who were not um, interested in my presence on the team. And one of them I was quite friendly with, and she told me, well, we needed somebody, you know, who could shoot. And I made five out of ten three-pointers in the drills we did, so I don't really know what she was watching. Do you think it was but- ageism? oh, I think ageism is a small factor. I think it was racism. I mean, the this coaching staff was all black. The whole school you has, like, let's say, I'm guessing about five to seven white guys in it, and five of them are Russian, and one would have the nickname White Chocolate, and then there would be me, the 39-year-old egghead from Indiana, trying out for the basketball team, no less. So I don't think it was, like, blatant, nasty racism, but I think this woman seeing a guy make five out of ten threes if she's looking, but thinking I can't shoot, it's some sort of not. And it may be age, too. Um, You know, and there was one coach, he was hard on my ass. I couldn't tell if he liked me or not. And, you know, but I did stuff like, you know, look, this is how things go for me. Years ago, I played ball with Conan well before I worked at the show, you know, like I said. But, you know, like I said, after three strong performances, I didn't get a job. Now, I'd be still drunk, but I'd be financially sad, theoretically, or God knows what happened. You know, I go up for a rebound and my elbow finds his face, you know, like, and of course, you know, when it's Conan O'Brien, oh, he elbowed him in the face, you know, it's like my elbow went, I knew how to move on a basketball court. yeah. And this sort of thing that happened to me, my first, my one of my second basketball, it happens in basketball and I did not swing my elbow and it was his fault, but that's not, you know, it doesn't matter. You think it had some
0: implications. I mean do you do
1: he you, was not pleasant about it after it happened. He still put <laughs> hey, they put me on the show a bunch of times and he hired me three times. I replaced all three joke writers when they went on hiatus, but it's right. when the full time job came available. I mean I got like forty percent of the jokes on while I was there. So wow. among three writers it's hard to, and one of them is Brian Kylie. Yeah. So you know how hard it is to get forty percent of the jokes on when Brian Kylie's writing. Yeah. Because he's as good a joke writer as there is in the business. Yeah. I think I was kinda lucky, but again I you know I earned the job I didn't get it. And that's part of... I mean, I'm going to be very frank. As I said, I was a drunk. I'm accountable. Like, I I identify loser. But at the same time, it's hard to try and do shit when you've had so much stuff like this done to you, right? Right. Like, I, I want to do this show. I can do this show. I mean, I know I still have a personality. I think I'm showing it today, right? But who's going to come see the show? And if if somebody comes to see the show, whatever. I mean, I'm the only person. Like, I, what I want, ideally, to do is want so much to express myself that I do the show and I'm driven and I write my ass off and I do the best show I can and uh, uh, in the words of the cliche that I hear where I like I'm rowing I'm just rowing and I let God take over whether I get but you know uh, I I like sex so much and I like it with women and women always want you to do shit and, and be accomplishing something and have some sort of mission. You know what I mean? So that gets in the back of my head as well as the fact as the show is, the show's like about this like semi-Messiah complex biggest loser with women ever, you know, and it's hardly really the way to vet yourself, you know, to get lots of tail like, <laughs> oh yeah, you know, come <laughs> see the show. You're going to dig it when I tell you that like how women have jerked me around and blah, 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 you know? Yeah. So, you know, so I have a hard time separating that. But again, all I do is I stay the course and not have a drink a day at a time. And I do my other stuff, you know, I play. What, so
0: the show is about your experience with women.
1: The show is going to be, Partly sweeping autobiography. I probably won't touch on some stuff much, but I'll give them an idea. And I, I'm going to get started on like uh, where my neuroses with women got started, which really got started just by being the first kid to like them. You know, just like when I was already doing the Woody Allen routines when I was four years old, I was already digging on chicks. Yeah. And nobody really knew what to like make of that. You know what I mean? And I would just sit around and daydream about them and stare at them, you know? And, and I didn't know about tab A into slot B yet or anything, obviously, but I was still really cuckoo for him. And, you know, and so I sort of hit on him in whatever way I could. You know, I'd throw something extra in the Valentine card that we had to send everybody. A little something extra? Yeah. (laughs) A a couple candy hearts? (laughs) No, (laughs) no, like a few words. A few words from the heart. Or, you know, um, because I wrote poetry, too, when I was like that age. I don't know. Hopefully I've grown to where I won't express with uh, verbal nastiness what I think of somebody on the street. You know, I've gotten beyond that. And and the online stuff is more funny. Like, you know, I don't know if, uh, you know, I mean, I just sit around and for the creativity, I just write the most outrageous things I can. I wrote to this one, uh, I'm on OK Cupid, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so uh, there was this chick and she seemed like kind of a train wreck, you know, and uh, in a lot of ways, but her profile was overtly sexual, which I always really like. And, uh, you know, so I decided to drop her a line. You know, I know what to say. I was kind of out of her age range, as I am most of the time anymore. And I thought it was pretty funny, because, like, there's a category on this dating site that says, um, "Was it, uh, oh, I spend a lot of time thinking about. So her responses were like, um, you know, what people look like naked, who will be the next person I sleep with. And then about midway down through the thing was, one of the things she, after some more like pedestrian stuff, was gang rape in the Congo, right <laughs> so i I was like, well, I gotta write to this girl, so I write, and I was like, "Hey, sugar, you know, if I'm not too old or whatever i'd I'd love to treat you to a quiet dinner and maybe a simulated jungle gang rape and you know, which to me is pretty good you mentioned it yeah, yeah. it's pretty clearly a joke, and so she writes back did you just try and entice me with the threat of rape? <laughs> you know, like, like, which, you know, it's... Obvious. And so, uh, you know, but well, my first thing is always immense. So I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend. You mentioned it. I thought it would be certainly interpreted as a joke. And B... There is no way I would ever spend the money involved for a simulated gang rape on a first date. I mean, you're talking a lot of like layout. Even if you can find like a Subway acapella group to work cheap, you've got <laughs> house plants. You know, you got to hit a herp guy to get at least one good snake in the picture.
0: <laughs> so, what's your primary source of income?
1: Um, right now, it's Scrabble, tutoring, and playing poker which I make money at, but not a ton. Um, And, you know, I scrape by right now. You know, I had uh, going back about three years, uh, two or three years where I wrote for game shows, and so I did kind of okay in that period. I mean, things have worked out very well in that department because, you know, if one source of income falls, like I learned to play poker after I got back from Canada, let's say probably six years ago now. You know, and of course, I was not a winning poker player for two or three years. Um, But, you know, I was playing more Scrabble and had other work, you know, had game show work. And, you know, some writing work still pops up. I mean, you know, but not as much as I would like. You're a chess guy? You play chess? I do not play chess. No, you never got into that one? I, you know, I was in fifth grade chess club, but the game doesn't really interest me that much. I love Scrabble and, you know, I mean, I don't like poker all that Like, it's interesting, like, you know, I play with a bunch of guys who love playing poker, you know, and they can't understand, you know, like, uh, but they don't understand, like, uh, not only do I not want to be addicted to it and have to be very practical about my approach, but I know it's easy to not be addicted to it because I don't like it. It's not nearly as interesting to me as Scrabble.
0: What's so interesting about Scrabble?
1: You're just solving a puzzle every second, and when I play speech Scrabble, you know, I'm solving a puzzle every turn. And uh, when I'm playing speed and i am only got about three minutes, I'm solving a puzzle every turn and my turns every 10 seconds. And, you know, it's the kind of adrenaline rush yeah. I'm looking for. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, 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 I mean, uh, Scrabble is just a really under like it's funny because at the poker game where they're mostly like finance guys, they'll say, you know, some math thing will come up and they'll say, well, that's, you know, whatever. Oh, they, that that's it. They wanted something spelled, yeah. whatever. It was onomatopoeia. The word came up. And I took a stab at it and and nailed it, I wasn't hundred percent sure I would. Um and so I like said, yeah, the Scrabble, blah, blah, blah. But Scrabble's a math game, ninety percent. But what's really cool about Scrabble is it has unlike any other game of the great games, you're talking about backgammon, like go, which is the hardest game chess, you know, it's got all these elements, you know, it's got it's basically a math game where you have to have intuitive probabilistic sense, intuitive sense of equities involved, uh, but you also need verbal skills. You you know what I mean? You need to be able to find the words. Mm -hmm. It's unclear even whether anagramming is a math, brain task or a verbal task. Um, and, and you also have poker elements, you know, I mean, you can play phony words and people play phony words against you and you have to know about when to, you know, you have to know about risk re- versus reward and it helps to be able to read people, Yeah, you know, so there's just a lot going on. So it's a, it's a total brain challenge. I mean, I just, I don't play tournaments anymore because again, I don't like to leave the cat overnight. So, you know.
0: And uh, chicks don't dig
1: Scrabble players. Oh, some of them do, you know, sometimes they say it's really, you know, hot, whatever. I mean, uh, you know, a big part of it is my attitude, you know what I mean? And it's not like I don't get to date people or whatever, you know, and, and quite honestly, I mean, if I were out more and meeting people, I would probably have more opportunities. But again, it's all timing with me. I mean, the other day, uh, you know, after I'd sat here with my Achilles tendon, um, sat on it for a month. So I go out for a date for the first time, some girl. And, uh, you know, so I'm limping, but I'm like roughly more presentable than I usually am. And I get there early and I go down to the subway to refill my Metro card and I get stopped by a girl, pretty cute. And she's like, it's your name, Matt. You know, and uh, she's like, I just saw the movie, you know, and she starts talking to me or whatever. and But, you have to understand, I mean, I was killing it. I was working on this show. I was at my best place I've been before that, uh-huh. I tore my Achilles tendon. Mm-hmm. It was my best spot in years in terms of productivity. But depression came back full force when you just sit on your ass for a month and you can't go anywhere. So this girl starts talking to me, and I, like, answer the questions. And then it's, like, uh, kind of apparent that, oh, uh, well, whatever. I was like, uh okay, well, thanks, you know, like, thanks for asking about it, and she was cute enough that whatever, like, I should have been, but, you know, like, I I just got all awkward, but, you know, I was not, like, prepared for any kind of interaction, she's like, oh, okay, and, and whatever, and I was like, you know, oh, of course, I was supposed to maybe get this girl's number and talk with her about the film, you know, see what it's like to have coffee with her, you yeah, know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was the exact, let me put it this way it was the worst time in five years for someone to approach me, you know what I mean, for a random conversation. It was only my second time being recognized <laughs> for the movie, right? You What's know what I mean? I'm, I'm the king of horrible timing. The movie is Word Wars. So this girl comes up to me. I like abruptly dismiss her like I've never spoken to a woman in my life. Then I go upstairs, have the date. The date's really hot, right? Mm-hmm. She's not into me. I mean, she's nice, you know, so the date goes well. Um, but she doesn't dig me. But she's really hot. So I leave there. I'm on cloud nine. Yeah. So if I bump into the girl in the subway after the thing, I'm a new man, right? <laughs> but not me, you know? I, I, it happens before. When I'm like, uh, you know, like, you know, like I'm, you know, like I have the conversational skills of a standard paranoid schizophrenic, you know, looking down, you know, addressing whatever. I mean, and that just sums it up. And that's what it's been like for me. And, you know, so, but that's what I'm hoping. I am I mean, you know, I'm just hoping that like God throws me the loser niche and I can grab the, you know, do you feel like a loser out there? Will you identify with me? You know, and then I can start thinking big, like my own religion or whatever. Yeah, sure. How bad
0: is your depression got?
1: It's never, it, it, it dogs the hell out of me, but it's never been severe. I mean, I'm never somebody who lays in bed all day. You know what I mean? And I'm still making choices. Like, I make a lot of choices to be home because I want to be home. Because I, you know, value my time with this cat so, you've so never, much.
0: With the cat. So you've never thought, have you ever thought about ending it?
1: My life? Yeah. No. Well, that's good. No, I mean, you know, let me put it this way. What depression did do, actually, is make me think, well, I see how people could get suicidal. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's never, you know, I mean, uh, I honestly, I mean, I, you know, take antidepressants, but I honestly think so many of my issues are fixable through leading a more sociable life. So I'm torn. I mean, I'll tell you, honestly, at times I'm torn because I feel, I mean, this cat i'm not joking you just have to understand i like cats right yeah um i love cats yeah really loved i just had a, i've had a couple cats die and whatever i've had three cats in sobriety but this cat um and people have a hard time this cat i i didn't just like it because i was depressed and it was there for me this cat i became at some point i loved it more than any other being i've ever loved I just really like his personality for some reason. When I got him, we thought he was a she. He was a she for like two years, solid. I wasn't, like, I brought him in. I had another cat, and I was afraid, geez, I brought in this stray. I hope it doesn't kill my other cat, you know? And then within like five days, I come in, I look for the new cat, you know, and to see him sitting there. And I'm like, God, I hope Pebbles, you know, (laughs) because the the girl, he's just so sweet. I think that's why I love him. I mean, uh, I held him up for you, but this is the meekest animal. I mean, when Pebbles had cancer, and they, they destroyed one of her arms, removing a tumor, and did nerve damage. So, here, here's Ruth, and he would be utterly dominated. His name is still Ruth. Yeah, I kept the original name. Uh, <laughs> dominated by this female cat that's five pounds lighter with a missing front leg. Yeah. And he'd just back, you know what I mean? I mean, she didn't have to tell him twice where to go, you know? Yeah. And I love that about him. You know, I brought in a kitten. I want him to have company, and the kitten just immediately was alpha You know, and Ruth would have to back away behind his litter box, and so it just wasn't going to work. And so I feel for him, you know, because I I identify, you know, for a guy who's like, I mean, I can talk, I'm extra, like, I'm a very aggressive basketball player, I'm very aggressive about things I'm trained to be. I'm not the most aggressive poker player, but I'm aggressive when I'm required to be, you know, that's more of a bankroll consideration. Um I'm not an aggressive person. You know, I hold the door for people. I'm aggressive when countered. When people mentally note me as meek and try and take advantage of that, I'm conf- I'm a bad recipe for a human being is what I am. If you're pretty sweet, people will try and walk on yeah, you. Yeah. And if you're confrontational, people don't like that at all. Yeah. So, And that's really how I am. I, I'm not meek because I'm unwilling to stand up for myself. I'm just meek just because that's... Always how I was. I mean, that's, you know, even my dad, who I don't think, um, you know, my dad's like, yeah, you always had the biggest heart ever since you were, like, for other people since you were, like, five years old. You know what I mean? And that's uh, why
0: you like this cat.
1: I like him because, yeah, he's just sweet. I mean, he needed me. I mean, he came up to me. He was rubbing on my leg for food in front of the bodega. And I lived in Harlem, and there were just so many pit bulls and stuff around and so he rubbed on me for food and i gave this like homeless woman some money for her and to keep feeding him and i was like it just bothered me how social this cat was and whatever and i went out looking for him and he's sleeping right on the corner at night in front of the bodega cat didn't even have the sense to get on a heating grate behind a fence and i just was not going to stand for that so me and the girl i was seeing we stuck him in a backpack and brought him home so yeah i love him that much so i feel like on one hand I'm blessed because I get what I want. I get to, you know, with these like odd little ways I have of bringing in my money, I get to to spend so much time with somebody to, to me he's a person yeah. that I love. On the other hand, uh that very, it's still, he doesn't speak English, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's gaps, you know, in what we can, you know, and, and I keep myself too isolated. And, and I think that partly feeds, you know, I mean, I need more contact with people. I mean, you know, like, mostly you're interviewing people that are active in show business or in life yeah. <laughs> to some degree somehow. <laughs> like you come with me like, you know, you didn't need to put this in front of my face. I need somebody to talk to, you know. <laughs> oh, thank God somebody's here, you know. I mean, like, again, we talk, it's got that like, that, that's great because it has the old person feel too. I talked about being old, you know, yeah. and I'm like the like shut-in guy.
0: Well, I'll tell you that. Uh, it was fucking great to talk to you either way. Well,
1: it was good talking to you. Thanks, man. <laughs>
0: All right, so at this point, I've had that one conversation with Matt, and I knew there was other things that that I'd heard about him that I couldn't get to because I didn't know if he wanted to talk about it. I had sort of teased it a little bit when I was talking to him, what you just heard, but it didn't come out. And then I called him back, and he was like, well, let's do more. Let's do it again. Let's do another one. So this part where I get into some of the stuff uh, that got very dark in his life uh, was a second interview that he came to my hotel and uh, we 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 dealt with it, and it, it's it's gnarly, it's gnarly. Well, this is um, uh, this is the second session with Matt Graham. Uh, I guess it's what is it, about five weeks apart. When was that?
1: Uh, I can't tell you, but I mean, it's it's, it's been about inside a- of three months to you know, yeah. It's a month or yeah, between a month and, and a couple months.
0: of things have happened since then. Uh, you know, you you got on the comedy stage for the first time in eight years, and and also, well, let's talk about what that what that was like because you know you're you're incredibly uh, sort of um, wrapped up about it. And uh, <laughs> am I? Well, you were, and uh, you know, you, oh, wrapped up beforehand. Yeah,
1: apprehensive. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went to do it one week, and uh, honest to God, I mean, I was more nervous. Than any of my network television appearances. Uh-huh. I was nervous all day. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, if I'd had... I wasn't even doing very much stand-up when I did Conan's, you know? Yeah. Like, I would get a call, and then I wouldn't have had done stand-up for a month, and I'd go do six sets the night before. Right. But, like, if I'd had something... Like, here, I'm just doing the beauty bar for 12 people, and I was still... You know, I couldn't have done something like Conan. I really would have just passed out
0: what was if when you were sitting there waiting
1: so it was at a it was at an alternative room Right. And it was how many people? It's an open mic. It's an alt room, whatever. I think there were about 15 people in the crowd. The first week got canceled. So I went through all that stress for nothing and I almost just retired again after the cancellation (laughs) because it was too much anxiety all day. But I decided if I, you know, I think I listened to some Jimmy Cliff or something Mm -hmm. and decided if I, you know, went down that easy, there was really no hope for me except, you know, like the 12th Street mission or whatever. That's where I was going to end up. So I, you know, I pulled my balls out and, you know, did the next week. How, what uh, what were the, the main fears? The fears. Bombing. Getting really nervous. Um, I actually added some fear in the second week, and I'll tell that story because whatever. But, I mean, the fear was just being out of place you know i mean i'm an old man now you know it's a kid's industry and you know my brain's not the same i'm sure it was the depression problems that made me really really nervous you yeah. know because back then i had all these other issues but you know i didn't have this underlying constant sense of dread that nothing would ever work out right you know and you take that to the stage i mean you know hey everybody <laughs> you know it's kind of there's just, no uh, hope let me get started <laughs> well i mean i think i said something like that probably i mean, I mean, I I did, but what I wanted to do was realize I'm up there for this depression. I want a creative outlet. I need to talk to people. I don't talk to people the way I don't do anything. I sit with my cat. So this is now people for me to talk to. And, you know, I also had, remember the issue now, all the Conans I did, except for the the last one I took a bunch of, uh, not a bunch, a couple of swigs of vodka, not even enough to affect me. I had my little flask with the happy face on it. Mm-hmm. and uh, But generally, I did those sober. But, yeah. you know, 90% plus of all the comedy I ever did, I was, you know, between buzzed and plastered, you know. So I had this. Now, I had done some sobriety and stand-up, and I was more comfortable then, but I wasn't depressed, and it was not as far gone of a habit, you know. So now i got to go in, too, and think, God, my life sucks. I can't just pick up a drink to be more comfortable on stage because then it'll really crash and burn. So what happened? What happened? Well, the first part of the story is I couldn't get, you know, I have no friend network at all really anymore. So, you know, my best friend, uh, Janine DiTulio, was going to come. Writer from Conan comic. Yeah, comic. uh, Rachel Feinstein like my fourth best friend, yeah, uh, comic, and really one of my more trusted creative voices. She couldn't come because she was busy with stand up, um, so I had to kind of go it alone. And I had met this girl online, who turned out to be a comic, you know, and share a couple of things with me. And it was sort of weird. Um, I mean, basically, we had a great rapport messaging, and she seemed really smart. And so I thought I was headed to be friends with this girl, you know, even though it was a dating. You know, I'd met her through a dating circle, and um, she was familiar with the place, and... She came out and met me that afternoon beforehand, you know. So it went from a day to like her, you know, like doing me a favor, being like my backbone of moral support. And were, were you like spinning? Like, were you freaking out? Or you, you? I wasn't super freaking out, but I was going a hundred miles an hour. Sure, and she's sure. given me advice about how to handle this, which is alternately good and bad. I I try to take her advice. I try to take oh, really? suggestions. did defensive? Huh? You didn't get defensive? No, I wasn't defensive about yeah. that. And you know, I mean, what did happen? I mean, you know. To, to bring this story to, to um, you know, because uh, I want to talk about the stand-up. What did happen is uh, I did listen to her, even if I thought it was condescending of her to give me advice, you know, whatever. It didn't bother me. Um, I was just wrapped up in trying to get this done and get through it. I sent see you what? some advice, I think, didn't I? Huh? Did I, I, I asked you for advice, yeah, right, though. Yeah. There's a big difference. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Whatever. So, anyway, this girl met me for coffee. You know, she was attractive, for sure. She, she looked real nice, yeah. uh, especially she's kind of near my age, you know, yeah. and... But uh, I didn't think she was into me, you know, de- but I definitely still thought it would be like a friendly thing. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back to the set. So I'll see what happened. So I see her. Everything's real cool uh, before whatever. And I did, during um, my set, talk about you know well I mean I talked about what a loser I am because that's what I want to talk about anymore and I talked about getting 170 straight rejections on OkCupid which is where I met this woman and I don't know if that somehow made her but like when I saw her after the show and I wasn't thinking this I was getting anywhere I mean you know I thought she was cute I didn't feel she felt a vibe for me but her body language was like somebody who had like I had followed her a few blocks and was trying to get in the front door of her apartment building <laughs> so what was going to be a total high for me because i had a good set just turned into total like outrage because so i emailed the next woman, i was like woman the next day i was like you're cute whatever you know or that's not the first thing i said i was like hey i had a nice time i think you're really smart you know you're you're nice to look at you know i hope we get to talk some more so she sends the blow-off thing and neither there or in the blow-off thing did she say even though she knew what was writing like eight years she didn't say one complimentary word even slightly You know, and I had a good set. I mean, I'm not saying I had the best set of the night. Maybe I had the worst set of the night, but I got laughs. And, you know, my stuff is generally pretty unmistakable as clever and different. And I just thought that, I mean, what got me about it is somebody knowing that you're in that vulnerable position, you know, uh, can't say, you know, I mean, I can watch anybody do stand-up and think they're horrible, and if, like, they were a friend or whatever, I mean, I could find something positive to say. So, so I mean, yeah, all I can assume is she just, you know, uh, as they all are on some level, a soul-crushing cunt, that that's her purpose, that that's that's why she was in my path, you know? And I only regret it because... I would have been high off that set for two days, and instead I was in a super depressed funk. Now, the set was good. I did some old jokes, but I didn't stick to them. I did some new jokes that were joke joke type of things. Did you bring up the soul crushing cunt thing during the set? No, I didn't. You know, I mean, <laughs> and I don't mean to specifically label her as a cunt. You know, I just kind of regard women as Satan's pep squad, and they're here to get men to like fucking debase themselves and sell themselves for what, what they have. You there's know? no and middle I, ground. I, you know, I was like, uh, (laughs) I I do, I live a middle ground, but when I'm running, you know, when I'm running my mouth about it, I'm not a middle ground type of person. That's not how, I'm not Michael Moore where everything is like black and white. Right, but
0: like I had my heart pretty well smashed by a woman and I still, I I, for some reason don't generalized across the board
1: well you know you do better with women than i do so you know i what since i lost my virginity at 22 i've gone three years without having sex another three years without having sex another two years without having sex right these are all the overs you know what i mean uh you nobody gets uh you know nobody i I said this in the set and i exaggerated the number the 170 but i did look out of like 80 or 90 and then i stopped counting i'd only gotten two responses and they were both like just sociable, you know, not like willing well, to go well, on a date with me. Why do you think me. that is?
0: Are you are you being too honest in your bio? Or? Uh,
1: well, I am very honest in my bio, but what the fuck is wrong with being honest? Nothing. I, but know, I I mean, like i I found it sad. I know this like crazy mixed up woman in Barcelona who I really hit it off with, you know, and we just go back and forth. And she's like, you know, uh, you know, at first she's like take the naked pictures down, you know, but like nobody can see them, so it doesn't fucking matter. Um, Have and you- then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have them they have A list so you can like show, you know what I mean? So, so you have fully
0: I, naked I, pictures.
1: Yeah, they're not like, you know, but they're just to show my body more yeah. than anything else yeah. when it was in really good shape. Yeah. So, you know, I don't give a fuck. I yeah. mean, you yeah. know, I'm I have no shame. So um but she said, okay, so when she got past that, she's like, Yeah, I think You're being too honest. Like when you talk about your cat and how much you love him, you know, you're going to make women think that you'll be like uh, Frankenstein with them, you know, because I give him like meds and he needs subcutaneous fluids. And I mean, personally, anybody who would think that, I mean, I know women read in something into everything. Right. But who would for her to even think that I take care of my cat who is ill and try and provide him a better and longer life. That means I won't let you unplug. I won't let them unplug life support. You know, <laughs> if you're my life partner, that's quite a fucking jump. You know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it, and and furthermore, I just think it's like you know, <laughs> I I don't think it's appealing. Like well, since we, we all you read things into things too, yeah. For a neurotic, very little. Uh-huh. You know, I'm willing to take a lot of things at face value. Mm-hmm. You know, like let's say, what do you want to say that I just read something into? I read into this well, woman, a, this woman not complimenting me, right? But well, you, that's you were, a pretty direct read. Like that's well, it uh, didn't happen, and, and
0: your expectations, where you 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 felt hurt by that.
1: I felt hurt by that only because I thought it was a bare minimum of manners, right. not because she had to think I was funny. You know, the point is, if she thought I was the unfunniest thing, knowing my position, being on stage for the first time in eight years, I would, you know, do the right thing. So you could say I read
0: something into it. But what yeah. about the Achilles tendon thing in the hallway? You were talking about your regular poker game and how, you know, you hadn't lost so much since you started playing at that particular game. And not I lost you- so much, not lost that many sessions. in Sessions. A row. OK, in a row. Uh, and then you said that the, you, know, you had all these negative, you know, no respon- these negative responses on the dating site, and it was just all connected to the fact that you injured your ach- Achilles tendon. So I said, well, that's sort of metaphoric. That is sort of the Achilles heel idea in a way.
1: Yeah, I that my Achilles proved to be my Achilles <laughs> is what you were saying. <laughs> no yeah, I meant to text my writer's assistant with that because that's not too bad. No, what I'm saying is it, right? my life runs in these stark rhythms, right? Yeah. Like right before that happened— I mean, I was killing that poker game. I was winning a lot more than I've lost since then, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I was dating someone and had other options to date if that was not going well. Right. And uh, for the first time, I was working on something creatively, this show, and I'd hired and was paid, and I was getting places with it. And I was ready to go the first—do the first, uh, you know, like 10 minutes in front of my acting coach. And then, boom, I tore that, and then— you know, I told you how it's been. You know, whatever. Let's not say 170, but let's say 100 state rejections. Okay. You know, which is pretty significant. I yeah. said when I was on stage that the, the, you know, I could do better as a high-functioning down syndrome, <laughs> you know, get more women to respond to me, if only, you know, to be nice. <laughs> and, you know, so if my honesty is a problem, whatever, I think honesty's great, you know, but again— I paint with a broad brush, and I, I. Most people aren't that honest, you know. But but w- women don't like it at all, you well, know. They want everything couched, honest, selectively honest. Uh, you know. Well, I'm just honest. You know. Yeah. I mean, I, I only, you know, lie, cheat, and steal when you know I got to come up with the rent money. You know. <laughs> Outside of that, I'm like trying to represent everything, not mislead. I mean, I'm really <laughs> trying to do. Well, right that was, okay,
0: well, that brings us to this other thing where, like, to be honest with you, one of the main reasons we're having a, a second meeting was that, you know, I talked to you for the uh, for like you know, over an hour the last time. We talked about a lot of stuff about depression and, and this and that. And I brought a certain amount of information to the table that I didn't know whether or not you were going to get into. Because I remember years ago, uh, there was an incident where, you know, you definitely tried to injure yourself. So I thought that by...
1: Bringing up depression. I did not try to injure myself. I tried to fucking kill myself. Right. So and, that I, and, okay. and in the conversation, Let, when let's we were not talking. be euphemistic. Okay. I think that's where we hit the problem the first time. Well, I said you were talking about depression. I said, "Do you ever, do you ever think about suicide?" Well, and you said no. And I told you, I. You asked me if I ever thought about suicide. You first. You asked me about the depression that I'm currently undergoing, right? Depression's okay, been all right, only. Yeah. I've only had depression for three years, okay, right? I tried right. to kill myself thirteen years ago, and you know, I think part of the problem here is, you know, Jesus, Mark, you've known me for twenty five years. If you want me to talk about something, just fucking ask. Why well, didn't know you know? Don't to dance it. legs right. like a girl. Did we meet on OKCupid? Okay, Cupid? okay <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see, I, I told you I was going to rib you about this. Oh, no, no, because, I don't care. No, no, no. I, and really, it's very it's nice not. that you specified. Uh, that I only merit a second interview because I've got such like a juicy, you know, National Enquirer it, fucking shit. Well, it's not even National Enquirer. It was just that like,
0: I have a tremendous amount of respect for you. And I, you know, I, look, I, I, nobody and I just, knows who
1: I am. You can't. You no, got your you're major celebrities who, who. No, no, no.
0: It's not even that. It was like because I look. I, I was only delicate in that. You know, you. um I certainly didn't want to get you riled up. Well, so you could have uh, you know, I, Yeah, you know, I figured that. If I, if I, a just, lot of people get worried about that, yeah. but nothing ever really happens. No, but you know, the just the, the intellectual attack can can uh, can be. Uh, a, a bit. Uh, you when know, I uh, said
1: just ask me about it, I'm not saying they're on the mic because you sprung. I'm saying ask oh yeah, me right. beforehand that you want to talk about Right. It. So, okay, so we'll address that. So you asked me about it. Yeah. You have said depression. Do you ever think about suicide? Right. No, I don't think about suicide right. anymore. Right. You didn't ask me did I try to commit suicide. Right, you're right. Which you're right. I can tell you about that or whatever, and I can tell you that thoughts of suicide are more, they're on the fringe today. You yeah. know, because my life, like I said you know rejection constant losses at poker even if i might be the best player in the game yeah just nothing fucking works for me hmm. so i think about suicide more in a sense like as something that you know will have to be taken care of not like you know uh i don't get milk mail letter kill self yeah but more like throw out the first pitch at finway see australia kill self yeah right that type of thing um the are you doing that in the act No, that's not. I just made that up now. good. Okay, well, (laughs) you know, I'm already going to ask you to pick the title for the show. So, you know, throw it in. I mean, I should have emailed the Achilles thing. So, um, as I told you, the only thing I'm reluctant to talk about is all the crazy shit I was seeing walking around for months, you know, like I, uh, you know, had become like, I didn't know if it was religious. I didn't know if it was the Illuminati creating a new world order, you know, I don't know. You were seeing signs and everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, there was stuff where it's definitely like I was anagramming tiles and, you know, I'd draw Scrabble tiles and feel like they would fucking tell me something. But see, I had that, too. I mean, I wrote about it in my book. I
0: had coked myself into a slightly psychotic state in California, and I thought there was a, a huge system at hand and that I was to, you know, be a messenger of some sort. And I was hearing voices in my head, and, you know, it was bad. You know, it took me about a year and a half to shake that shit. And it's weird when you hear voices in your head that it's literally like a, it sounds like a, like a, a, like if you were to close your eyes in a movie theater before a movie starts and everyone's jabbering, like I really used to say, like, you know, think to myself, if someone's got something to say, you know, make it clear. So I understand what I'm supposed to do. (laughs) Like I would look at, you know, uh, photographs and I would, I had a whole sim, like there was a symbol, uh, like Hollywood at that time I was at the comedy store, like everything represented, you know, uh, parts of this evil empire that was was uh you know completely poetic i was going into magic stores and seeing i mean i was fucking i i know what a little of that feels like that there was a system at hand i i couldn't crack it but i knew eventually i would be given the the necessary tools
1: well you know like well that's nice because you have a more optimistic outlook <laughs> than i do you know yeah i uh But I ran away terrified.
0: I mean, I left because I thought I was being chased by things I didn't understand.
1: Yeah, I mean, me too. You know, (laughs) so whatever. The the schism here is just that, like, a lot of times walking around and pre-before things went really bad. This all occurred after the firing from SNL. And I was also using something called GHB to great excess. This shit, you take it, you know, sometimes you get real... You know, groovy feelings Sometimes you just sleep That's really what I wanted what to use it, it for. for Oh, sleep? Well, it releases growth hormone You know, you can use it for different stuff Is it I'm, human growth hormone? No No, it is isn't human oh. growth hormone It's just the form of a chemical You know, they use right. it in, like, jet degreaser And I was taking that And most of the psycho stuff, you know You know, I, I got, you know, in the uh, Locked up twice, you know Wearing the styrofoam slippers, you know Over this type of shit um, what, what led up to that? Me seeing the things, you know, like... And who'd you tell to get locked up, though? I just told, you know, like, I mean, whoever would listen, you know what (laughs) I mean? Kind of. I mean, which wasn't that many people. I mean, you know, like I told my friends, and they're like, no, that, you know, can't be. That doesn't sound real. You know, like, you must be. I'm like, whatever. So I think the first time, you know... I was kind of coerced, but it was sort of voluntary. And then the second time, I was just like feeling too much pressure and I wanted to go there. It was on my fucking birthday. You um, were just
0: in lockup, or how'd that work? It was a, a. No, no,
1: it wasn't like the super psych ward. It wasn't like super secure or anything. I just got in there, you know, and they told me, you know, how it was, you know, and whatever. And. You know, I mean, basically, the the parts I struggle with are the things I was seeing outside when I wasn't in, like, my most, you know, and, and incorporating them, whatever. I mean, I was definitely crazy because, you know, when I attempted suicide, I continued using GHB, right? Like, um, but, uh, you know, so there were times certainly like the suit. It was where I was absolutely hearing voices, which I regard purely as insanity. But as for the other stuff and the stuff I couldn't explain, I mean, it came down—look, I always called myself, you know, when I was younger, an atheist who walked hand in hand with God. And I, I, because of the moral compass I had and the things I wouldn't do, right. you know, that I wasn't willing to do. Because, you know, you can say you were paranoid that show business was an evil empire, but I think show business is fucking evil, you know, about 95% of it. So, you know, I, it, well, that's my opinion on that still today with a clear head. Um, but I eventually decided, and this made me like a better candidate to get sober, that uh, okay... I do not believe that there can be a secret new world order that could have perfected human cloning 50 years ago and found a way to plant them in random homes throughout the world, you know, and perfected, like, thought reading and telepathic communication as of 14 years ago. You know, I don't believe that. That feels very unlikely to me, but I decided that God and or the devil could do that, So I opted for God, you know, it it actually made more sense to me, you know, even something that doesn't make sense. And, you know, I stopped doing GHB. A lot of those problems got better. Even as I was sober, I stopped doing GHB actually after the suicide attempt. And then being sober, that stuff has had way, way less or no presence in my life. Well, what, what, what'd you do? And what
0: was that day? What, what, what was the decision about it? The decision about what? How'd you do it? How'd you try to kill yourself?
1: Oh, okay. That that's very simple. So I was still doing GHB, which you know is what everybody attributed my psychosis to. Yeah. Um, and I uh, was laying there. I mean, I would have days where I just lay there. I mean, you know, it was really a nasty mess. One times I got one time I got hiccups for like you know, which you think of hiccups as being nothing, but I was just so fucked up. I got hiccups for like. 14 hours straight, and by that time, you're just in such horrible pain, you know, and my my gullet was already seared with this form of the GHB I would drink, and yeah. so it would make that burn every time. I mean, it was just awful. And uh, so, I, one day I'm laying there, I'm sleep-deprived, and now I'm seeing... You know, I'm not like seeing people that I think are look like people. I'm seeing fucking visions out on my fucking uh, fire escape, fucking talking to me. You know, and I am hearing you know, I'm hearing voices. I wouldn't say like, you know how appliances talk to people? Yeah. I wouldn't say appliances were talking to me, but the voices were definitely kind of jiving in with like, I remember the space heater. I had this right. little fucking space heater yeah. I ran and it's like talking to me like, you are going to be such a fucking loser. You're going to be the biggest loser in the history of the whole wide fucking world, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound very good, you know? <laughs> Mr. Space Heater. <laughs> and I was seeing like serpents. I would go in the bathroom to piss and there'd be like some shadow of a snake on yeah like a wall i mean i was i was out there (laughs) maybe and uh so this is why people talk about it's very funny like so you talk about depression but we're talking about a different thing we're talking about i had a messiah complex which has been downgraded to a persecution complex by the national weather service yeah and and 10 years of sobriety pretty much right i still have a lot of this you tell that i think i'm a guy with no luck but at this time i thought i was like You know, so I was like, "Wow, my life is really going to be horrible. I should escape this now as soon as possible." But bear in mind, I'm sleep deprived. I probably still got a lot of alcohol in my system. I probably got GHB in my system, but none there to do to just put myself back to sleep. Yeah. And I was like, "I better, I better take action now." You know, (laughs) for once in my life, I was proactive. You know, (laughs) and so I went and got my my uh, kitchen drawer and thought there were really good candidates. I had like a couple of Ginsu type things, whatever. But all I could find was this bread knife, you know, this serrated bread knife. And so I sat on the edge of my bed and started trying to saw my fucking head off for about, I mean, I worked, I spent about 40 minutes on the project. And it really bums me out because, you know, like like, um, when you said, um, what was the first thing where I accused you of euphemizing? um, This was not a cry for help. You know, right. No, right. you know, you can go ahead and say, you know, I already call myself a loser. What's a loser do when he tries to kill himself? He fails, and that's what I did. Yeah. But you know, it was not for lack of trying because you had to have a pretty thick skin to fucking sit there and try and cut your neck. For however, I mean, I spent a long time doing this. I even switched sides. Like you can still see the scar over here, but I switched sides. At one point, thinking that maybe my knowledge of anatomy was wrong and there wasn't something major on this side because I did a number. You know, I mean, (laughs) there's blood all over the apartment, you know, whatever. And then finally, and it wasn't from a desire to live, it was from that eventually, I mean, this is just a difficult way to do this as near as I can tell. Now, you can say lucky or unlucky, this remains to be seen from uh, what course my life takes. There were knives that would definitely do the trick, but I was so fucked up that I had put my dish tub on top of the fridge and yeah. I couldn't find it. And that's where the Ginsu's were that were just sharp as tacks. If I used the same amount of like force and energy, uh. Uh, you know, I, I catch my carotid or jugular and I do what I need to do. You know, and hose the place down with my blood, which I basically did anyway. Um, so at some point I gave up because it was proving too difficult. I and mean, cut how many one? people kill? Like, nobody kills themselves this way. I think no, if you remember Charles ambitious. Rocket, I think maybe yeah. he did. And, uh, you know. Um, Charles Rocket, the actor? The actor, comedian. Was on, he was an yeah, SNL an guy. SNL. I, I read that somewhere. If it's not true, I really apologize. You, know, so you He was on
0: X-Files. You didn't hit the uh, the... the the artery, I guess.
1: No, if you hit the artery there by yourself, you're a done deal. I mean, Haven't you ever seen like footage? Didn't yeah, you ever I mean, see like been. Malarchuk, the goalie, when it got cut by a skate? That's why it's like, I'm like, wait, I, re- I was still thinking of that. Like, God, that happened so easy. Like, like a little quick skate in the throat, and boom, this guy's just like, you know, it looked like the water cannons at Selma, Alabama, you know, but it was blood. And um, so I gave up and I called my friend. To bring over GHB. I thought I would try and drink as much of that as I possibly could. Although I knew it was a very ineffective uh, way to kill yourself, even though they tried to, like, get you that it was, you know, um, you know, wasn't going to say some... Uh, you know, it was supposedly a date rape drug and they say you can go into a coma, but I, I don't think it really kills you very effectively. Like you take a bunch, then you sleep four days, and if you take more, you'll sleep six days, and you're not, you know, yeah. it messes up your dopamine levels and it, it may still have impacted my brain with the depression today. But, um, you know, so I called him. This is, again, like I told you, I have about four friends. I would say this is my third best friend and he brought over, uh, he, I told him I really need some gamma. And he was also an enthusiast at the time, and uh, he brought me some over. But then, upon opening the door, (laughs) he uh, he he made a judgment call that that maybe instead of giving me drugs, he would call the folks at Cornell Presbyterian see if they might like hook me up, you know. And so they took me out on the gurney, and they did, you know. They you know, I mean, uh, they did surgery on my neck i think i i should have probably done more to like get rid of the scar you know um but as it is now it still it doesn't look so much bad today i mean Uh -uh. you can tell it's there but it's it's faded a lot and uh the the funniest part about that shit is i told you i was in three times twice before that that was the fastest i was fucking out i mean my friends janine came to visit me the next day i was fucking joking around (laughs) like who the hell is like you know but they couldn't get it through the heart that it was like psych co and messiahdom and whatever. It wasn't depression. You know, I love life when it wasn't sucking. I just figured well, it was sucking does, all the time. Well, right. So how what is the
0: the, the symptoms of a messiah complex exactly that would, would cause that action?
1: Um, The symptoms well, of a messiah complex. Right. What well, defines I told you the it. symptoms. I thought I described it pretty well when the voices are saying, you're going to be the biggest loser in the history so, but, of the world. But, so
0: messiah just means that you're being chosen by... by extra uh
1: i don't know what that means you know um obviously you know i don't think that i am anymore and i i don't even know that i really thought so then but i maybe thought it was possible or whatever yeah and you know like it's hard to describe like i was nuts but you know people people um um the opportunity oh he thinks he's the messiah he's crazy well I say there are other options. You know, a guy can think he's the Messiah and he's just fucking wrong. You know, he's sane, but he's wrong. Michael Bolton thinks he's a great musician. He's totally convinced of it. You know what I mean? You're not going to tell him otherwise. You know? So I could be wrong that a Messiah even exists. You know what I mean? But think that I'm him and I'm still sane and I'm just wrong. Yeah. Um, You know, there's all other crazy possibility trees. My favorite one that would ever happen if there's such a thing as a Messiah is have a guy who's. Thinks he's a messiah because he's totally fucking nuts. I mean, as in bananas, as in walking down the street, you know, yeah. talking to the Bluetooth that he doesn't have. Yeah, and he's is the mm-hmm. messiah, yeah. but he just thinks it for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Uh, someday I'm going to do a short film about that one. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's an awesome one. So I had the shortest visit, you know, after like, after cutting my throat, it, it, the the doctor in charge. I mean, he was just this slick dude with a like gold Rolex, yeah. and he needed to get out for Labor Day. He didn't right. want to. He didn't want to be bogged down with it. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, let, just let this guy go. You know what I mean? Y'all are you're, you're, you're all good think, now? Y'all good now? Are you going to try and hurt yourself? That's what I was trying to hurt myself. I yeah. wasn't like, you know, if I had it to do over, no, it wouldn't work. There's no way I'm scarring myself because it's not it's not the really cool Harrison Ford type of scar. It's yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck did that guy do scar? And um, But anything? I met a chick while I was in the psych ward and yeah. probably I would say, you know, at the top of the list, you know, I ended up dating her after, you know, she was a doctor and uh, not one she was having her own issues. She wasn't, you know, a doctor on the, the floor. Yeah.
0: She didn't see you, you know, you know, she didn't help stitch you up and say, this is my guy. <laughs> no. You
1: <know. laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> that would, wouldn't that be a great love story? <laughs> um, but I met her and I think that even though she wasn't particularly hot looking, I might have been more attracted to her than any girl ever because she was, you know... I mean, you know how dudes like crazy and you know, she's in there, balls out, <laughs> I'm fucking crazy. You know, and uh so that and was she a she was a doctor. She was a doctor, yeah.
0: And uh and how long did that last?
1: I don't know. I dated her three or four months, but she had this weird thing like uh, you know, where I think uh the last, you know, month I saw her, I saw her one time in thirty days. You know, which you would think of if she lived in like Mobile, Alabama, but she lived, you know, at like 90th and Park, (laughs) you know, like 20 blocks away. And, you know, I liked her so much. I was trying to roll with the picture. I didn't care. I mean, I'm sure, you know, it was other dudes involved or whatever, but I didn't give a damn. But she just ultimately proved to be crazy and not accountable and whatever. And, you know, but it was good because, boom, that hits the book, which, you know, I loathed. Hits all, it all hits at the same time, and then 9 11, all this shit hits, and I, I needed the perfect witch's brew. The book, the Scrabble book, the word freak. Yeah, yeah. um, I need the perfect witch's brew to, to be able to consider not drinking. I saw myself, I mean, week before I quit, I said to uh, you know, bartender at the main place, which I got 86 from like two days later for good, and I, I it's like I can't see my. Life without alcohol it's just impossible, and uh, you know, um he served drinks for a living, and he said, "Well, I can't believe somebody as smart as you thinks something like that, but you know I, I was surprised that he would <laughs> say anything other than have another you know yeah, yeah yeah, but that's what he said, and you know it it proved to be right, and then you know, living with the scar, especially it was more visible, you know like I've had, I don't know if I told you about the book. I mean, there, there were issues with the book. I haven't fully read it, so some of it is contempt prior to investigation. But I just have, uh, years later, definitely I had issues where I was trying to date women, you know, with set up, and then they Google me and cancel. You know, and I had four or five women say, I Google you. I don't think I want anything to do with you. And, you know, for every five, you know, it's like a cockroach the thing. There's going to be more. Yeah, mm-hmm. the ones who just fade and you don't hear from and so I met him, he wanted, we hadn't spoken for years, and he knew I didn't like him at all. The guy who wrote the book? The guy who wrote the book, but he wanted, uh, he asked to interview me because he wanted to do a uh, um, an afterward ten for the 10th anniversary edition. And uh, so I, I agreed to meet him because, you know, I tend to actually let water under the bridge despite what you know, it seems like, and Despite so we're, t- <laughs> any indication, to <then>. find <laughs> any indication, I might remember every single detail and hold a grudge forever and ever, and be able to like enumerate every circumstance. Um, no, but it cracked me up because like, you know, he asked me some stuff. Well, how'd the book, you know, what the book impact the book had in life? Well, I think the book may have cost me 50 or 60 first dates and the classic journalist, you know, his response was, what can I write that? <laughs> You know, I mean, it just pretty much sucked because, you know, for that period or whatever, you know, I mean, I'm pretty offbeat, but, you know, I think you can be eccentric and whatever. And I think, you know, insane people, insane and eccentric people bless our world in a way. I mean, you know, like I'm grateful for that experience now, you know, in a lot of ways. And. You know, it was just tough for the first time. I remember being in a bar in Indiana where I went back to regroup, and that's the last time I've been in Indiana. It was between whatever the suicide attempt and getting sober. And I'm standing in a bar, and there's this guy, and he was kind of like, you know, uh, he, he was this tobacco-chewing, you know, like trivia expert, but, I mean, he was kind of the village drunk, you know, yeah. he was around. He was really known as... and. uh he says hello to me like he barely knew me or whatever. i was like oh hey what's going on he's like how are you doing whatever you look he hey. and i was like uh um no nah, i'm good and he's like you're not thinking of killing yourself again are you <laughs> you know and i had to hear about people gossiping like that don't even know me like you know uh you know like somebody is like oh and uh rich franchisee and he said uh, whatever happened with matt you know what's going on with matt you know this is around the time whatever like i've never met him you know i've never spoken to him you know what i mean he replaced he got my job when colin fired me you know what i mean (laughs) like so he's already kind of maybe benefited off my misfortune and now he's fucking gossiping about me and he's never even met me you know that kind of bums me out you know but what are you gonna do i mean People talk. I mean, I try not to talk uh, in that way about people. Like, you'll hear me you say this and that or the other thing, but you notice, like, um, when I was talking shit about people, talking about a girl, I didn't come close. You know, I could say a lot more stuff. You know what I mean? Sure. I'm not, um, and, you know, I don't talk about who people are sleeping with or, you know, what drugs they're doing or yeah. any shit like that. I'm a character assassin, not a gossip, and I think there's a pro- profound difference, you know? <laughs> Because gossip ain't going to accomplish anything. A good character assassin, if he doesn't change that person, he'll get people thinking about, you know, different ways to be or different ways to looking, you know. Uh-huh. Or I do it frequently to people's faces. I mean, this is one reason you're talking about such a big show business success. You know what I mean? Like, if I thought somebody stole a joke, saw somebody steal a joke, I don't, you know, most people, I, this happened more than once. Yeah, And it happened once where I unfortunately was kind of a dick. I mean, I thought it was fair to... to um, for me to bring it up, but I was pretty drunk and the guy kind of annoyed me anyway, but the guy's a creative guy or whatever. But, you know, on the other hand, it's to my credit, you know, because most people would just say, you know, uh, like people would say this guy stole, and I don't know that he did, Um, but I just went up to you and said, you did that joke and you work with my friend, you know, whatever. I don't remember you doing that joke and you were working with her and she did that joke. Yeah. You know what I mean? Most people won't do that because they don't like the conflict. Right. So at least you've got to give me credit for putting my money where my mouth is. You know, I will assassinate your character to your face. Yeah. You know? Like, I was going to kid you. What, What did I say? Don't euphemize. But like, so I said you should have brought it up, whatever. Like, um, Oh, I wanted to kid you that, you know, even though I'm an absolute nobody, like the tiniest niche cult celebrity, I get a second interview because we all know it's very sensational to hear somebody talk about trying to cut their head off, you know, and, you know, you'll get emails about that and it'll fuel the site and people will listen to the next, you know what I mean, you know, and, and I fully acknowledge that you know, I'm willing to talk about this because I want to do a show and get back in the business and talking about this, will put people in the seat. So you're a sensationalist and I'm a whore and, you know, it's probably a tie. You know, at least I tell you like, hey, you know, I know you're using me, you know, and I'm using you too. I'm just probably getting less out of it because, you know, I'm a loser. No, well, I mean, let's not, <laughs> let's
0: like uh, not, uh, you know, I was completely content with the original hour, you know, and excited about it. I love talking to you, and but, I thought it was but completely... But you did want to
1: get to that in the first interview, yeah. But and I, I just was caught wanted. off... Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Then I enjoy bringing up the dark side. But yes, I will say that... On the other hand, while I thought you'd known me so long you could just ask, it was still nice that you cared whether I wanted to talk about it, yeah, where I, I wanted to be Talking it. have talked to you in a long time, and you, yeah, know, yeah. Not, you never it, know where it's
0: it, going to go with you.
1: It's all good, <laughs> right. you know. You not want to take any shrapnel. People are just full of shit, you know, and I'm not, and that's why, you know, but I know that, you know, I'm just going to keep plugging away, and I'll find either some creative outlet or, you know, I'll sell some games or, you know, I'll... Trained manatees, or you know, some, something's going to shake out. Well, you know, I, but first, the show. Well, and I brought, I brought a game I want to sell you. I'm trying to sell off my games. Can I sell you one game in exchange for all that I told you? One board game? Which one is it? It's called Vegas. Yeah. It's a great Hasbro bookshelf game. How much is it going to cost me? Make me an offer. I don't know what games sell for. Well, you know what, what you can afford? Like, you know, just make me some.
0: How, how about I just lend you some money or give you some money? And now take the game. I don't know if I want to haggle. I'm not good at it. Because I mean, where do you? start? Yeah, you can
1: just give me money. I, I wasn't trying to take you for a whole bunch of money. I was trying to like use the fact that I was so incredibly open and told you <laughs> told you a story yeah. that uh, like uh, um, um, you know, I yeah. there's not many people. Now there's going to be a lot of people, but up to there, there's about three people who really know the whole story. You know what I mean? And yeah. you're four, and then your podcast is 200004 uh, So know. what do you say? What do you want, $50 for the game? Yeah, fuck yeah! But the reason I want you to loan me money is I try and pay people back. You and know you what did I mean?
0: Pay me back. You, you, have you loaned paid me
1: money me. once. I paid you back. I'm not looking to get in further debt. I mean, if I take, yeah, you can definitely have it for that price. Okay. If it's, I don't want to put any financial strain on you. That's not what I was looking to do. No, there's no financial strain. I just, <laughs> I, you know, I,
0: yeah, I think it's better than lending money. And if you can use the fifty dollars and not worry about, oh, fuck yeah, I can use it. I just and...
1: spent nine on McDonald's. I mean, you have to understand, I really live by the, you know, I live by the nitty gritty. So. So, but I would like you to take the game I'll take because the game. it's not big and it's those real cool old bookshelf style games and you know if nothing else it's a neat a little bit of kitsch for your place and you'll look at it and you'll think of me or something you know yeah, kooky, no. I said yeah absolutely okay
0: cool it's a deal so we're we're good you good I'm good thanks Matt uh, well that's it that was an interview with a very old friend and very interesting guy and it, I I, I hope you dug it as much as I did because he's one of the most intense dudes that I know. That was uh, that was my conversation with Matt Graham. As always, thank you for listening. Please go to WTFPod.com for any WTF Pod needs. You can get on the mailing list. Importantly, uh, that's important because I'll send you an email every week. You can also get merchandise. There are women's shirts up there. There's new posters up there. There's a lot of stuff. You can get the uh, all the episodes. You can get the app for iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch. Got a new Droid app coming out this week. You can just, you know, send your love. Kick in a few shekels if you want. Uh, you can get Just Coffee from JustCoffee.coop. You can see our new YouTube uh, stuff we're putting up. Well, I'm putting up a lot of old videos. Boy, I'm a little tired. I got stand-up to do. I'm going to play guitar soon, tonight. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming out to the live one, San Francisco. I'll talk to you later.